Well, good morning. All right, that's pretty good. Good morning. Uh, I'm, I'm, my name's Chris, and I get to share the message with you this morning, and I'm super excited. We're in this uh, series called uh, Epiphany, and today we're talking about wrestling with God. Welcome online or in here or up in the loft. I see you. We are with you up there. Yep. Uh, hi there. Uh, hey, so we, we sometimes, you know, help each other out when we do messages. So we kind of brainstorm with each other. And Pastor John was super helpful with this message. He, he made a suggestion, actually, that since I was going to be talking about wrestling with God, that what I ought to do is wear a, a wrestling onesie. You're welcome. <laughs> that I did not listen. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about today and, and such. So uh, I think we're also going to be talking about names. So, so here's what I want you, want you to think about right now is that we all have a name, correct? Yeah, you were named, given a name by your parents, and, uh, and some of you may have names also that you care not to repeat, the names that you've earned maybe even, uh, that, that we have these, this thing. And this is what this story that we're going to be talking about is, is very interesting because there is a wrestling match, but it also also leads to this idea of our identity and who we are. I've never been a nickname person, actually. No nicknames have really stuck on me. I mean, there's, there's lots of material, but nothing has really stuck. And uh, I also have never really liked my name. Who, who, who's not a big fan of their name, actually? Like, that's like, eh. So my name's Christopher, and here's the deal. Like, there's just so many people named Christopher that has always been a little confusing. I actually worked someplace where there were seven of us, and six of us had the name, seven of us, six of us had the name Chris, some form of Chris, and, and such. So I looked it up, actually, and see, Christopher, for Many, many years, actually from 19, let me see this, 1972 to 2002, Christopher was in the top five boy names. 30 years, it was in the top five boy names. When I was doing the little thing, I looked up this little chart, it was interesting because around the late 90s, early 2000s, the top names before that were kind of consistent. There were a lot that just were there for years and years. I mean, I was there for 30 years. And uh, then it started to change actually quite a bit. And I was like, oh, yeah, the internet came along and we all got much more creative in naming our children. How about that? <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. So uh, names are, are, are great, but it used to be that names were tied a lot more to traits, tied towards uh, things that we may do, maybe family things or things that we were a part of or things that we did. So we're going to be talking about that and talking about this idea of wrestling with God. I think, though, that, again, the if we were to rename this, this message, it would be the epiphany of who God calls us. I think that might be a better even title than just wrestling with God. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to, to go there. If you'd like to take notes, there's a, there's a bulletin spot. That bulletin actually has uh, some notes on the back of it. And they're not going to be this. The blanks in there are for you to fill in your own stuff. We're not going to give you the answers to that. This is stuff you have to do on your own a bit. Questions for you to ponder and think about and such. I'd love for you to check that out. All right, so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 32, and we are looking at the person of Jacob. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham, son of Isaac. God had promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. It was really in Jacob that we start to see this come to fruition, that, that Jacob has 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. The 12 tribes of Israel are who God uses to bless all nations and through who Jesus himself comes through that lineage. So in our passage, uh, Jacob is given the title. He, he's he's going to be his name is going to be changed. I have a confession though. You know when you play that game where your favorite 
Bible character, you know, name your favorite Bible character. And people say Jesus because there's always those people in the crowd. And anybody but him. And then, and then let's play the opposite game. Who's your least favorite biblical character? And, and now you're going to say Satan, which is not, not, not the, somebody else. Jacob's in the top of my list as least favorite, actually. <laughs> so super excited when Jim said, hey, can you preach on this? <laughs> the, the reason is, is that Jacob's name means deceiver, liar. That's because that's what he was. And we see this pattern in his life where he lies a lot. And uh, my full confession, naturally, my, my, my sin nature, one of them, is, is I'm really good at lying, actually. That God has redeemed that and turned that around on me. I'm actually, I speak truth now, and I'm very, I, I really value truth and honesty because my sin nature is naturally to be deceitful. So I see a bit of myself in Jacob that makes me uncomfortable. That's why I don't like him. <laughs> so we're going to walk through his story, though, because there's a lot to learn about him, from him, about who we are. So let's, let's, go, let's go into some of the backstory. So Jacob, as I said, he, he, we, we got a little bit of who he's from, that family and that lineage. He also has a twin brother named Esau. Esau's name is interesting. It means hairy one. Don't look at anybody <laughs> right now. Don't make eye kind of name. But it means hairy one. Apparently he was, he was quite, quite fuzzy. So uh, Esau and Jacob, from the very beginning, had issues and fought. In fact, Jacob was grabbing onto Esau's heel as he was coming out of the womb and being born because there was this rivalry going on. Esau was also a skilled hunter, and he was his father's favorite. Jacob, on the other hand, was more of a quiet spirit, liked to stay at home, and he was his mother's favorite. Biblical Parenting 101, pick a favorite right there for you. It happens over and over. We see it. So one day Esau was out in the field, and he came in, and he said, I'm starving. Jacob, can you please give me something to eat? I'm going to die, and give me some of that red stuff you're making, he says to Jacob. And Jacob, knowing the character of Esau, realized there was an opportunity here, so he said, sure, I'll give you some if you give me your birthright, because you were born first, and I want that blessing. Well, Esau seems like an idiot here because he agrees to this. But what's really going on is Esau just doesn't care about such things. Esau's character is being shown here in that, that this idea of, oh, yeah, there's this, this blessing on our, from our grandfather and covenant thing. Ah, eh, who cares? And he even says, I love this, that he, that he, that he says, uh, well, well, what good is it going to do me if I, if I die now from starvation? So go ahead. And I mean, it's like, totally whiner right here. He's just kind of drama queen. Who has drama queen people in their family? Oh, well, don't look at anybody either. So, uh, <laughs> so, so that's what's going on here is this, this thing happens there. Then later, so, so Esau agrees to this. Later on, Isaac, his father, is, is getting ready to die, and it's time for him to officially give this blessing. So he sends Esau out to go kill his favorite meal and bring it back for him. Mama hears this and intervenes and has Jacob disguise himself as Esau by putting hair on his arm so that he'd think that. See, oh, by the way, Isaac, he kind of didn't see very well. He was blind as a bat, apparently, and, uh, and apparently not, didn't, couldn't hear very well because he didn't recognize the voice. So this whole thing transpires, and it, it works, that Jacob winds up stealing the blessing from Esau, who rightly deserved it, being the firstborn. However, this was God's plan all along, so he kind of intervenes and does this weird thing. So as a result of this, we're getting to where our part of the story is, see, because, because of all this dysfunctional family stuff going on, Jacob takes off and leaves for many years because he's afraid of Esau. And while he's away, God blesses him just like he promised he would, regardless of all the shenanigans. 
He blesses them, gives them, gives them uh, uh, two wives, which actually is a fun story there that we can do in another sermon where, where Jacob turned about flare play and Jacob gets kind of deceived and marries the wrong sister. I wonder if bad eyesight runs in the family. Don't know. <laughs> just, just curious. <laughs> so uh, there's, there's, there's all sorts of great stuff in the story. So what we find here, though, is Jacob is told by God to head back, to take everything he owns and all of his possessions and all his children back. And he's on his way back, and that's where we start to find him today. On his way back, he sends out a message to Esau that he's coming back, and he finds out that Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men. <laughs> so Jacob's scared. Jacob also recognizes the blessing that God has given him. And in Genesis chapter 32, verses 9 through 16, there's this prayer that Jacob says that I want to do as kind of a preface to the wrestling match that we're going to talk about in a moment. Jacob prayed, O oh God, of my grandfather Abraham, and God of my father Isaac. O oh Lord, you told me, return to your land and to your relatives. And you promised me I will be treated kindly. It's always funny when we remind God of things as if he forgot, as if he doesn't know what he said already. Because I say, I'm not worthy of your unfailing love. So, so Jacob has some humility here that's, that's beautiful. He says, show me. Your, your mercy, your servant. And he says, when I left home and crossed the Jordan, all I owned was a stick, and now I have enough to fill two camps. Oh, Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I am afraid he is coming to kill me. Then he, then he does again. He, he reminds God of his promise. You promised me. I surely will treat you kindly, and I will multiply your descendants till they become as numerous as the sands along the seashore. There's this prayer. It's beautiful. It's a little whiny, a little bit like Caillou, you know, from PBS. But he, he's praying, and he's, and he's somewhat sincere. And then we find out what happens next is what he does is he starts sending all of his stuff on ahead of him. His wives, his, his cattle, his sheep, his kids, everything goes on ahead of him. And, and, and he's left alone. Now, the reason he sends it ahead is a little bit weaselly because he basically wants to say, well, I'll just give him all this stuff and then maybe he won't kill me. But still, we find him left alone. And in Genesis 32, verse 24, that's where we're going to pick up where we're going to focus, if you'd like to follow along. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. When the man saw he would, he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This theme of Jacob's life where he's always seeking this blessing that, quite frankly, he already had. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Jacob says, please tell me your name, Jacob said. <laughs> I always, in picture right here, in, in, in Scripture, sometimes I think there's, if we add some inflection like right now, I think there's a little bit of a chuckle. <laughs> Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Penel, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Penel. 
and he was limping because of the injury in his hip. Would you pray with me? Father God, we give you thanks for your word. And Lord, as we, as we let your word transform us, Lord, I pray that, that we just know who you are. And that in knowing who you are, we discover who we are, Lord. Lord, I pray that there will be those today that may for the first time ever know who they are in Jesus. And for some that we're simply reminded of who we are. Lord, I give you thanks for your word and for your presence in, a, in this place. In your name, amen. So Jacob spent a lot of time wrestling with God actually before this. Uh, I think that he, he or not, I'm sorry, he spent a lot of time wrestling before this with things that weren't of God. That, that through Jacob's life, there's this pattern that we see that he was wrestling with circumstances and with people, and he was constantly trying to find God's favor, find this blessing that he sought for himself. And I think that's one of the lessons we learn then from Jacob is that we sometimes are fighting with, frankly, the wrong things. You may be sitting here saying, oh, I can relate to this. I've been wrestling with God for years. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've actually been wrestling with things that aren't God, and you just thought they were. Maybe you're wrestling with things like finding uh, acceptance from people that you don't need to be seeking that, from accomplishments that you're trying to do on your own. Whatever it might be, my first thing I see from Jacob is that we may need to walk off the mat from some of those things that we're wrestling with, that we need to just forfeit and give it up because they're the wrong things entirely. Because when you walk off the mat in a wrestling match, it means you just kind of forfeit. You don't even bother. You may be exhausted from some of the fighting that's gone in, on in your life. And I, I think right now, just, just name it. What is it? What is it that you need to walk off from and realize that that's not even the right battle to be fighting? Now, don't make any mistakes here. There are battles we need to fight. But I think first we need to identify whether or not we're even fighting the right battles. Things we learn from Jacob's wrestling match specifically, I think one is that we need to make space to encounter God. That Jacob sent all that stuff ahead. Now, he may have had, like, kind of weaselly reasons to send it all ahead, but nonetheless, there was space made in his life. And that's significant, that God fills up empty space. He encounters us. And if you want to have an encounter with God, I think first thing you need to do is make space. And how do you do that then? Yeah, sure, there's, there's great things to just being in a quiet place. That's good. Find a quiet place, do that. But I think there's even more to it. I believe that our culture and our society has become so busy that it's one of the main reasons why we don't experience God's presence. It's because we're just flat too busy to see him or to make space for him. So here, here's a little exercise. You might want to write this down if, if this is something that you feel. That make a list, not, not right now, but, but take some time later and make a list of these three things. Write these things down. That, uh, things that are necessary, things that are good, and things that are great. What in your life is necessary, good, and great? And just make, make it in columns and just list out things as much as you can. And then go back through and ask yourself, what of this list are kingdom of God endeavors? What is it there that, that, I, that you just know that these have kingdom of God impact and ramifications that are bigger than your world. Now, when I, what you might need to do then is you might need to start going through that list and started to work through getting rid of some of those things. Now, what I'm not saying is, I'm not telling you this is an excuse to not, you know, be a good human. <laughs> Don't quit your jobs, maybe. <laughs> it's probably in the necessary category. <laughs> uh, there, there might be some other things that you may do, and you might think, this is a lot of work, this is hard. That's not the reason now. You've got to ask yourself whether it's the, the great things 
Not just what is difficult, what it's great. Because there may be some difficult things you actually need to add. Some things that take up a lot of energy and a lot of work. You may need to be putting some of those back in because there's not enough kingdom of God stuff in your list. One key to making space to encountering God is dealing with our sin. That, that Jacob had this sinful nature that he had to deal with. He had to, to, to understand and get out of the way. See, God wants to be a part of our lives, and he has given us his son, Jesus, to, to forgive us and release us from the power of sin. We just let, sung about it a few minutes ago. And God, God wants us to be free from that. And how do we do it? We, we live into obedience in him. We just live into a life of obedience, get to know God and understand what it means to walk obediently with him. We, we release the, all things in prayer, that we, we don't be anxious about anything, but in everything we present our requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. That's what the word of God says. I think another way is, is we got to remember it's not all about us. It's not about us. It's about who God is and, and us loving and serving others. Lesson number two that we learned from Jacob is that I believe God honors tenacity over talent sometimes. That, that there's this beauty in this wrestling match where he's wrestling with God and he's wrestling. Now, let's be honest. Did Jacob stand a chance to win against God? No. Especially since at the end he just goes, boop, and his hip pops out and he's done. It's, it's not that God had this beautiful moment of, of honoring, almost maybe even chuckling at the tenacity that, that Jacob had. Now, I really like this because I am not a very talented human being. <laughs> it's true. I'm just not. <laughs> I'm a two-talent person. In fact, I've had conversations with, with some of you all that, that you're like 10-talent people, and it sucks to be you because you've got to be responsible for all those. <laughs> I only had two, so it's, it's going to be easier. Uh, but I have to work really, really hard to get myself to four and maybe even five. I have to be tenacious. I, I like to build things and tinker. And sometimes people will see what I'm done with. And they're like, wow, you're really talented. I'm like, no, I'm not. It took four boards to make that. <laughs> I have to cut things over and over and over. I have, to, I have to redo it. There's a lot of trial and error, a lot of failure, and try again and keep going. That, that I am, and now my talent is actually, I'm really good at failing. That's what my talent is. <laughs> but I'm tenacious. I don't give up easily because I have to. And I recognize that some of you, some of us, we get stuck in thinking that things should be easier than they are. In my 20s, I wasn't tenacious. I compared myself to other people and saw, wow, they got it made. Look at, all, look at all the blessing they got. That's pretty cool. I wish I, man, I didn't have that. So that's why I'm where I'm at because I didn't have what they had. That's a bunch of hogwash. I just needed to work harder. I needed to be tenacious. And also what I didn't realize is that we look at people's end results and don't see the work they put into it before. We miss the fact that, that this, what we're looking at, is their Instagram thing and they're, and they're, they're this or they're that, but they have really put in all this tenacity before that you don't see. Nobody posts all the failures that they have in life leading up to the success thing that they post. Nobody's posting the fights they have with their family. They only post the picture. Nobody's posting, oh, wow, I really messed up as a parent here. Let me tell you about it. No, that's not what we do that we see the end of tenacity. Be tenacious with what God is calling you to do. Don't give up. And the next one is, is kind of tied to that. The third thing is hanging on to overcome, that we may need to just simply hang on. I, I think this is, is an interesting spot in the story where, where, where 
Jacob's basically lost, his hips out, and he's sitting there, and, and, and God's like, like saying, let go of me. I picture the little kid, you know, when you're wrestling with your kids and they finally kind of get tired, and they just grab onto your leg, and you're just dragging them across the floor, and you're like, let go already. And that, that's what God's doing is, come on, it's, the sun's coming up, let go. But again, Jacob's like, no, I'm just going to hang on. I know I've lost, but I'm hanging on. Some of you just need to hang on to overcome that God will get you through this. Something that also comes out of that that I want to be clear, this, might be, this actually might be the most important thing I say out of this whole message for some of us, is that wrestling with God is not a lifestyle. It's a moment. It's a season, a relatively short season. And you may be sitting here thinking, oh yeah, I've been wrestling with God my whole life. You probably haven't actually. I hate to tell you that's not how God works. God is not about wrestling with you for your entire life. If you're wrestling with God your entire life, that's called disobedience probably. That there's probably something going on there that you need to, need to unpackage and figure out because re- a relationship with God should not always be filled with strife and wrestling. That you should get through that season and have a closeness to God. And we see that in Jacob. This is the only, only spot we see a person physically wrestling with God. And Jacob doesn't continue to do that. Now, the nation of Israel definitely has seasons where they do this, but that's not what God wants God wants us to live in relationship with him and understand who he is and live in his promise and live into who he created us to be. We should not be wrestling with God as a lifestyle. To summarize, if I I have to summarize what's going on with, I think, Jacob's life, I believe that Jacob is a, a prime example of a lot of us, that we live our lives out of fear and not freedom. That Jacob was afraid, and that's what motivated him to seek the blessing of God, the favor of God, because he was afraid of what else might happen, what he might lose. Fear is something that's spoken about often in the Bible. It's an interesting concept because we're told not to fear, fear not, but we're also told to fear God. What do we do with that? What, how do we reconcile that? And I was working on this and thinking about it and praying about it. And, and it dawned on me that, that God is the only one worthy of our worship. That if we worship anything else in our lives, it's idol worship. I think that if you, if you know anything about God, if you've given your life to God, you know that, that. That God is the only thing worthy of our worship. Well, maybe, just maybe, God is also the only thing worthy of our fear. Because God is God. <laughs> And his love is so rich and his power is so immense that there's a little bit of righteous fear when we come to God. And that that fear can be amazing. But the difference is that fear of God is the only fear that results in freedom. Let me say it again. Fear of God is the only fear that results in freedom. See, because after Jacob gets done wrestling, he's given this freedom of a new name. And God is the only one that can truly set us free. And he did it through his son, Jesus. So what is your fear in your life? Maybe you need to name it. Maybe you need to to really write down, what is your fear and what does freedom look like for you? What what is it that God's trying to bring you to in freedom? Because I do believe that wrestling with God brings us freedom ultimately. And Jesus said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. You are truly, truly free. 
that we are called to go from fear to freedom. What does that look like for you? I want to go back to the name idea that we started with. That this is really at the crux of what I think this story and so many other stories in the Bible is about. Because over and over we find stories like this where God takes somebody and changes their name and gives them a new name. Not a name that they earned, not a name that, that is tied to, to anything that they did, but it's tied to God's blessing and God's purpose for them beyond anything that they can do of their own. Jacob says, first, to God, tell me your name. God doesn't answer him, you know. I, I don't think it's in, it's not in Scripture, but I always, in that part, I, I see, okay, so, so he gets to that point, and, and Jacob's like, tell me your name. And I think God does chuckle a little bit, and he's under his breath. He's like, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> it's one of those moments, because he's God. <laughs> but the reality is, we actually do know God, that we do know his name. We have Jesus the Son of God, we can, we can receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and we can know who God is. And this is what I believe. When you know God, you know who you are. And when you know God's blessing, you know God. And when you know his blessing, God brings freedom to you. So who is God to you? In your notes, there's, there's a spot and, uh, for you to just uh, say, who is God to you? Who do you call him? For me, there's been different seasons in my life where sometimes I've called him Father Sometimes I've called him Savior. Sometimes I've called him, called him friend. For me, when I, when I gave my life to Jesus, that, that idea of God being my friend, that was what changed me. That's what brought me across the line of faith. And where, wherever you are, I believe that we can identify who do we call God. And throughout Scripture, we see he has many, many names, but one God. I think that's beautiful. And when you, when you do that, then you get to discover who you are. So the next question is, do you know who you are? What is your name? This is where, in the story, we'll go back to there. What is your name? Then the man asked. And he replied, Jacob. He replied, Jacob, deceiver, liar. There's weight in that response, that it wasn't just he said his name. It's not just a, just a hello, my name is. No, when he responded to God in that moment, there was the weight of the meaning behind his name. And each one of us have a name like that. We have a name that we know that, that is the name we've earned, the name, the name this world has given us, whatever it is. And we say that name to God, and God says, not anymore. Not anymore. That's not your name. He says to Jacob, your name is Israel, for you have fought with men and God and won. And today I want you to stop and say, what does God call you? What is your name? The name that only God can give you. Your identity in Jesus is who you are. And it can be found nowhere else. What is your name? Who are you? The Bible is filled with, with stories of people who discover who they are in Jesus. And when you know who you are in Jesus, you will have the freedom to be who you were created to be. And God will release you and send you to do things that will just change the world around you. It is an amazing thing to know who you are. Would you, would you stand? I'm going to pray. And as I do, I just want to say, I don't know where you are in this room. Maybe, maybe you're somebody that, that, that you've known who you are in Christ for a long time and you just need to be reminded that you've forgotten like Jacob did. Or maybe, maybe you've never taken that step 
to say this is who I am in Christ. Wherever you are, I encourage you to take that step. Let us know on the, on the yellow card. Come up to the altar and pray. If you want to you wanna go, remember that space thing? Jacob made space. Maybe you need to make space. Just, just scoop by people in your row and come up here and just spend time and be reminded in, of who you are in Christ. Would you pray with me?